Hey there, welcome to the in-between. Um, happy Easter plus one. Plus two. Three, if three. you're listening to it on Wednesday. <laughs> anyway. It's East, Tuesday morning. Easter here. week plus one. It seemed one. like such a good idea when you started this. It episode. did, and then I'm like, now I just immediately, can we start over? <laughs> no, we're not going to start no. over. No start no. Hey, he is still resurrected. That's he right. Is. He is you know? risen indeed. It's not up to me counting. <clears throat> True that. Anyway. So we are going to start First Peter this week. Hooray! Mm-hmm. We're going to be in First Peter for a while, y'all. First Peter is is a it's a strong book. Yep. Um, and it's it's got a lot of things that we're gonna um, we're gonna get to go deeper into. In fact, the first uh, sermon, as I've gotten a sneak peek from from Chris, is going to be a total of. One, two, three, four, five, six words. Yes. Six words. We're gonna have I mean a, the sermon will be longer than that. Sure. But the, top, <laughs> but the material I'm covering is only six words. Yes. And now testimonies. <laughs> Just, have you Anybody repeated? got your favorite hymn? <laughs> those are those are my favorite. <clears throat> okay. But we're yeah. gonna talk about Peter. Kinda kind of an intro to this book. We need to we need to talk as my hermeneutics professor would say we need to know who wrote it and who they were writing to which is a big part of why we're not getting much further than that because we're starting with peter so i thought i would ask you guys i'm going to start talking about peter what what accounts what stories what about peter do we need to not miss like what are the what are the accounts what needs to be covered like which in order to understand Peter, how do I help people understand Peter? What do you think can't be missed? Um, Peter was a married man. Mm-hmm. Good point. I think that that's, that's important. Also, like it'll be important when we get later into First Peter, because um, his <laughs> the way that he talks to. Husbands and wives is different than the way that Paul talks to husbands and wives. Okay. As Peter is a husband and Paul wasn't. Yeah. Good. Absolutely. That's a good. I hadn't noted that one down. That's a good one. Do you think he had kids? You would expect him to. It would be hard not to have kids in that time. It's so weird that we don't have biographies on these guys. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no one wrote, no one wrote. I mean, obviously... There's a reason for that. They weren't the main point of the story, but still, what happened to Peter's kids and any of them couldn't become Christians? And They were all plumbers. They weren't writers. <laughs> I feel like so, that's, yeah. what, that's what they... Fisher people. Yeah. That's what they would want. I, yeah. I feel like the fact that we're talking mm-hmm. about Peter, Peter would be like, shh, no, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're missing the point. It's not about me. Yeah. I wrote all this so that you wouldn't remember me. So yeah, I don't yeah. know. I mm. feel like the fact that it's like we don't got the lineage or the next stage or right is like yeah, that's yeah. the point. Yeah, interesting. <clears throat> okay, it also you know I think speaks heavily to how Christianity is not a uh, hereditary um, religion. Okay, you're not a Christian because mm. your parents were a Christian, right? Right. Even I your, actually thought you were going to go the other way, but yet as parents. Yeah. It is exactly supposed to be a hereditary. Yeah. 
religion. Like yeah. as parents, we need we we, we need to be. That is, I think, the function of the family. Absolutely, we are passing on the faith. But it's not like a like you know, it's not an automatic automatic thing. thing. Peter's kids didn't have some sort of special standing in the church because of who Peter was. Yeah, yeah, that does not work out biblically when that usually happens. Yeah, no, that's bad. Yep. Okay. Very cool. Yep, I think that'll be fun to talk about. And you can imagine what it would have been like with what we know about Peter, what it would have been like to be married to Peter. Mm. I'm sure there will be some women in the room who can identify with being married to impetuous guys. None of the women that we know. Mm-mm. What? Not at all. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Just I do know, and we've... Stomping on it. <laughs> <laughs> we've, t- we've talked about this before, and the idea of... Peter in the gospel versus Peter in Acts. Uh-huh. There, yep. it's, there, it's like there's two different Peters. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you see, and and really, this is probably an interesting point to talk about. I mean, a lot of First Peter um, is kind of the, is at least known as the sermons of Peter, especially the parallels between First Peter and Peter's sermons in Acts that you can jump back and forth. And at least see, I think there's at least three tie-ins where you can, where you can look at okay, First Peter one twenty, and then where does that, why why does that show up? Oh well, and when you look back to um, Acts two twenty three, you see oh this is kind of the fuller presentation of kind of these sermons. So um, at least three times again, yeah, that there is uh, these sermons that are presented in Acts now are fleshed out in First Peter, but there's just a maturity that shows up in. Mm-hmm. Acts and really even here in this book and in the second book that is different than yep. this impetuous haven't really landed on the board don't really you know always acting either for the greatest of proclamations or man really missed it but that's I feel like that's what the Peter and the Gospels look like yep and then whatever it is and however it changes probably as Peter says in the first couple verses the resurrection right that's right. <laughs> Changes all of this. Yep. Um, and, and that'll be a fun thing coming, I feel like, off of Easter, going into First Peter, because Peter starts with, yes, that this is all about the resurrection, and then concludes. I mean, I feel like First Peter is bookended with the resurrection and mm-hmm. how the resurrection changes our, our Christian living and then, namely, suffering, mm-hmm. which is a little bit of a uh, <laughs> an interesting thing to think about. You know, we, we did not know the times ahead when you chose Daniel. And then That's it was right. very fitting, so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Oh, goodness. Hopefully this oh. is just theoretical. Let's <laughs> <Yes. laughs> <laughs> study Song of Solomon. Yeah. Changing, changing, changing Song right, of Solomon. Right now. Because uh, this is a book that has a message um, about what it is to endure mm-hmm. suffering. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> like when I was reading it, it's like steadfastness and standing in hope was just like, mm-hmm. that, yeah. which I know is good for wherever, but yeah, I'm curious how that will play out. Oh, great. It is um, <laughs> pretty much every, you know, if you read a commentary or, or somebody, they're going to talk about the fact that this is kind of like the gospel of John in that at the end of the book, he, he says to his audience, this is why I wrote this. Yeah. <clears throat> and so he, he has this 512 passage, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very yeah. like, this is, this is like 
John having that passage at the end. I have written this to you for this reason, that you may know that Jesus is Messiah and by putting your faith in him have eternal life. But that's So what you do is Who'd you steal from? that from? Huh? Who'd you steal that from? Who'd I steal that from? Did I steal that from Wayne? Wayne. Oh yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You, do you think you'll do similarly? I remember early on in the John study just going back to that purpose statement over oh, yeah. and over again. I'm sure we will. That probably, well, how that will. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay, cool. Yep. Yep. That is a, that's, that's, we don't always get that in every book, but we definitely have that in this one. We have the concept cool. over and over and over with Peter of, of just that, like, you know, the, the idea that um, whoever's been forgiven much loves much. Mm. I think Peter very much understands what he's been forgiven of. He, he had a very poignant lesson there in the death, burial, and resurrection, and then recommissioning. Um, that that I'm sure, <laughs> yeah, like Paul said, I, I think that, that changed a lot of things in him. Yep. Um, it didn't mean that he didn't make mistakes after that because he had the run-in with Paul um, right about later. Eating with the Jews about only. About eating with the Jews and how he'd been eating with the Gentiles. And then when the Jews showed up, he stopped eating with the Jews or with the Gentiles um, in order to, I guess, look right in front of the, in front of the Jews. But, you know, I mean, didn't, we, we're, we're having a lot of conversations right now about how being a Christian does not, uh, it proclaims our brokenness. It does not mm-hmm. proclaim any kind of uh, perfection attained in any kind of perfection attained. There is there is no perfection except for Christ um in our lives and and that's that that's that's what we're when we're Christians that's what we're saying. We're not saying anything else other than hey look at Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um he he's the one who we need to follow cuz he's the one who's right. And the only way that you're following me is if I'm doing what he's doing. Um, and it's interesting how how offensive, for some reason, pointing to the brokenness of humanity can be for people who don't understand that fully. And so I'm just yeah, going get, back to what we have yeah we're dealing with on social media right now. Again, I think you know I think that like, it's because people think that we're saying that we're not. Yeah. Okay. Um. I th- I think that right. they 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 think that we're saying that. They're broken and we're not broken, and that's not what we're saying. And it's disarming and, then when we say we're all broken. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the, no, no, no. Of course, yeah. the, it's ironic because they must have yeah. either they heard that from somebody, either yeah. from another non-believer or from a believer, but they did not find that in the Bible. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you you cannot go to Scripture and come away going, "Oh, some people are broken and some people aren't." Like yeah. that is not a biblical stance, right? Anywhere. <clears throat> so they they must have either picked that up from other non-believers saying. Christians don't think they're broken; they just think we are. Mm. Or they heard a Christian say that, which would be pretty awful. Yeah, like uh, where a Christian would get that stance is ridiculous. Maybe it's just an impression that that as Christians sometimes we unintentionally give. That mm. I don't even know what that would even be. Is it just because we're joyful? Just because we call out certain sins? Just because mm-hmm. we in, in whatever setting? It's just because we're not graceful or we're clumsy. I, I think I think all of those things for yeah. sure. I think that the the idea that um, you know you get your 
sin called out as as sin, or you get told that what you're doing um, is sin, or if you wrap your identity up in something, um, and the Bible says that that's sin, like that's that's really hard to hear. Mm. I don't, I, I don't, I don't fault anybody for that. That's really hard to hear. Yep. Um, Me too. But it doesn't mean that you don't need to hear it. Um, and it it is actually loving to say it to you, um, so that you understand that you're that's not where your identity should be, um, and it doesn't have to be, and all of those things. Um, but like Peter quotes, gosh, what what passage is it that he quotes in uh, one twenty four? All flesh is like grass. Um. I don't know. While you're looking that one up, the one that came to my mind that Peter's talking about is the notion, again, of the gospel carries with it a certain offense. Mm-hmm. Um, be- and it is, I think, offensive to a fallen humanity because it's proclaiming to a fallen humanity that mm-hmm. you are you are hopeless. You, you can't do anything. Mm-hmm. And, and it's upon that realization that then you say, but then there is hope, and here mm-hmm. is the hope. But mm-hmm. the idea of the gospel being offensive from First Peter 2, uh, verse starting in 7, so the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Yep. And it's interesting because Peter, maybe besides Revelation and Hebrews, Peter is probably one of the most rooted New Testament epistles into the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. I mean, constantly Peter's putting these yeah. arguments onto the Old Testament, and one of the one of the reasons that's fascinating and and especially pertinent to us today, um, that Peter's trying to reach out to those that are under persecution. Um, he's writing to Asia Minor. He's writing um, to probably newer believers, uh, and he's telling them to endure again, this, this suffering or this present persecution. Um, again, maybe even back to this notion of being accused of things falsely. I mean, they, mm-hmm. this, this book probably in the timing is written after Nero has blamed the Christians for the burning of Rome. And so right. these, mm-hmm. these, and, and that's not <clears throat> founded or true at all. I mean, Nero right, was right. clearly a madman and clearly looking for Ooh. a political excuse. And so he's blaming them. And so now these Christians are experiencing this persecution. And so you can imagine if you're a, young Christian who's kind of been confronted with this truth and accepted this truth. And then now what does that mean for you mm-hmm. when now this is who you've yep. identified with? And so that's who I think Peter, Peter is writing for that encouragement for them to stand firm throughout all of these, you know, false kind of proclamations against who, who they are kind of in the, in their core being. So anyways, back to this, this notion of the gospel being, being offensive and and if you're going to stand with it then we know you're going to stand against mm-hmm. quite quite a lot yep yeah that uh sorry one 124 is a quote of isaiah 46 and 8 um mm-hmm. all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of the grass the grass withers and the flowers fall but the word of the lord endures forever and we don't really like um thinking of ourselves as that perishable mm-hmm. but uh, that's the truth yeah we are um and that's that fleeting brokenness that we all have is is and that's something we all have to mm-hmm. um 
understand. We have to take into account, um, and that should breed the kind of humility that will, yeah, put you in on your on your knees. Man, that's that's encouraging. Just to, I mean, it, even though it's heavy and hard, like right. just hearing you guys talking about okay, you're gonna you're gonna offend people if you if this is who you are identifying with and the faith that you are claiming, and then the Lord knows that this is not a surprise. Just like it wasn't a surprise that COVID was this or exile right. or whatever, the Lord is gonna sustain you through that. He knows. And then now he's also given us, you know, the, the gift or the whatever, however you want it, like what, what he's given us in first Peter, the, the words that can help encourage us through that. So I'm excited for that. I know that there's a lot there, but yeah, you need, you need to know these truths in order mm-hmm. to actually stand on the yes. correct hope to stand firm on. Yeah, it's, and, it's good. Good. And Peter's message very much is an evangelistic one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That the hope for this, and and that's what we'll run into when he talks about wives and when he when he talks about mm-hmm. slaves, yes. and mm-hmm. wives and husbands and slaves, is this this notion of no, you you need to be conducting yourself, you know, kind of with this purity of mind, purity of spirit, purity of action, mm-hmm. so that it is the witness. And right. It stands mm-hmm. as the stark contrast of. To, to all that kind of look on yeah. he, he kind of, I guess it's uh, still in chapter two, um, verse 11. Uh, he says, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. And so it's first it's for you. Mm-hmm. And then why is what immediately follows is this command mm-hmm. that is for your own soul. Then second, keep your conduct among the, amongst the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. That's a mm. big pattern for yeah. Peter. I think <clears throat> in a culture that's not only unfriendly, but now in his case is growing more and more um, animated and oppositional to the Christian message. Mm-hmm. Christianity is not now just this, it's no longer just this little sect of Judaism that's kind of a nobody, nothing. Yeah. It's now received public attention. It is receiving public condemnation. It's popular to turn against Christians. And it is fascinating to see how Peter keeps talking about how our words, our behaviors, I mean, the most famous apologetics passage anywhere from this book talks about how that the way you defend your faith has to be done according to a certain character so that when non-believers want to mock you later, they have to admit at least to themselves, well, I mean, they're not all like that. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's such a powerful, and I, I do think we are getting there as, yeah. as here in America where <clears throat> people are going to be more interested to talk about my happy marriage and my well-behaved children. They're not interested in hearing about Jesus, mm-hmm. but when I'm able to, when I'm able to link those things, now I have a, a leg to stand on when they go, wow, your, your family seems so awesome. What's going leg to on? Stand on? Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> Your family seems awesome. What have you done? Well, if I'm able to defer to Jesus, it. right? Yeah. And or or when people see a good marriage and they're like, "Man, my marriage is terrible. Why is your marriage not terrible?" And I'm able to defer to Jesus. Or mm. when they see the way I treat people doing that, and it's not one or the other. I have to link it to yeah. the gospel in order for it to be valuable. But but they're going to speak against me, mm-hmm. and the public is going to accept that and approve of that. 
but inside of their own hearts, they'll be knowing. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's not. I'm 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 lying right now. Yeah. Um. So that's that's only becomes more as we are less able to engage in the political game mm-hmm. to less able to do these different things. That's just going to be, that's going to continue to be lived out. I think. Yeah. So that's. And first Peter's already seeming super, super relevant. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It, it, it will be, it has mm-hmm. been for a long time, right. but anytime, you know, there, I, I really feel like they're just now in some ways there's been Jewish persecution and there's mm-hmm. been public persecution but I, I feel like in a lot of ways this has just now become a like a, a thing where it's not merely uh you you know you can't buy and sell here or people look down on you or your your beliefs are you know you they they thought of Christians kind of as semi atheists because they didn't have idols and that kind of stuff so then that's bad enough but then to come back and say you know we're now we're now we're actually starting to crank up the official yeah, um, we're blaming you for the ills of our culture, mm. including a fire that somehow gets blamed on, and and it's it ramps up pretty quickly after that. Um, Interesting. At least in Rome, it does. Will we spend a decent amount of time like going into the like what he was talking about with Nero and kind of that that background as well? I think we'll have to. Yeah, at least at least I, at the beginning, and periodically we'll have to retouch back on it. To understand what yeah. these people are facing, that does give a lot of a lot of great context. Sorry if you were going to say something. No, not, not at all. That's great. Yeah, and I just, yeah, it is. It is intriguing to me if you go all the way to the end, almost near the end of the book, like in four seven, when you have a section that begins, "The end of all things is at hand." Mm-hmm. Therefore, and and I just I think it's great that we have a passage from Peter himself through the power of the Holy Spirit, that anytime someone now goes, oh, it's it's almost over, like the end times are here or whatever, like, okay, well, if you actually believe that, then this, and we have that passage mm-hmm. for us. Um, so we'll have to see if people actually, you know, people who people who have that attitude, is this what they're, are they applying this? Mm-hmm. So if this is what it's supposed to look like for us at the end times, what do we do next? It's right there. Um, it's not the normal one. Mm-hmm. I've dug through here in the Greek to see if it in mm-hmm. to see how much it how much it involves of overthrowing the government or something, and I'm I'm not yeah. seeing much of it there. So. It 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 doesn't. It's not there. I mean, I'm not the Greek expert, so we're all looking at Paul right now. <laughs> I'm I'm all of this is sarcastic. <laughs> so for Christians, and I know we have to integrate, you know, being Americans and all that kind of stuff, just like everybody does, all the different aspects of our identity, but fundamentally. Some of my favorite identity passages in the whole Bible are here in First Peter as well that identify who we are. And these are things that cannot be taken from us. The identity that we have mm-hmm. in Christ, no matter what happens, look, they can't be taken from us. Yeah, which is, I think, again, another message that we're certainly going to run into when it comes to First Peter. Because First Peter, again, not only is intrinsically linked with the Old Testament, but is doing that for the sake of Gentiles. Yeah. Um, and, mm-hmm. and that is the proclamation. It is the identity-giving nature of the gospel to now, ex- now extended to these Gentiles in Asia Minor to say, you are part of Abraham's family. Mm-hmm. Um, this mm-hmm. is now not just kind of, hey, this is a good thing that you can kind of do and practice and be a part of, but no, 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 you are grafted. This concept of being grafted in um, now mm-hmm. as descendants of Abraham in 
God's chosen people. I mean, we'll see that a lot. We'll see Peter addressing part of the main motivation for this is a core identity. Um, and that's, I think, one of the reasons why um, a lot of people, um, at least at least pragmatically, I mean, there's a, there's a ton of kind of like new believer courses or mm-hmm. curriculum or things that are, that are all based here. And it's first Peter. Um, I mean, I feel like the top two books, you know, most, mostly encouraging, um, new believers to read is John and first Peter. And it's like John for the history mm-hmm. of kind of what it is now for this Christian faith. Who then, Jesus is. Yeah. Who, mm-hmm. who is this Jesus that you're following? And then Peter in this, and then now what do you do with mm-hmm. the presentation of a Jesus you're following? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really good. Very cool. Yeah. We're ready? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm going to end with my favorite First Peter verse, which is 4.8. All right, let's hear it. Above all, keep your love for one another fervent because love covers a multitude of sins. I'm just saying. <laughs>